Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. This is the Other People Podcast. I'm Brad Listy. I'm in Los Angeles. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you're doing all right wherever you happen to be. It is Friday, so it's time for another flashback episode where I dig into the Other People archives and share an outtake from an episode from the past. Today, I'm going to be sharing an outtake from episode 531 my conversation with Bethany C. Morrow. It first aired on July 4th, 2018. Bethany C. Morrow is the best-selling author of several adult and young adult novels. Her young adult work includes the novel A Song Below Water and another entitled So Many Beginnings. Bethany's adult novels include Mem and most recently, a novel called Cherish Farah. Bethany Morrow was the 2021 Mansfield Lecturer at Roosevelt University, and her work has been featured in a variety of publications, including the LA Times, Forbes, Bustle, BuzzFeed, and elsewhere. A flashback to episode 531 is coming up in just a bit. Don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Follow this program on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. I do a weekly email newsletter. You can subscribe for free over at bradlisty.substack.com. 
The newsletter is simple. I will let you know about the latest episodes of this program on a weekly basis. I also share a list of links to things that I've been reading and finding interesting. So if that sounds good, head on over to bradlisty.substack.com and sign up. Likewise, there is another people Patreon community. You can join over at patreon.com slash other PPL pod. Help keep this show going into the future. If you are a regular listener, if you love book culture, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash other PPL pod. Today's episode is brought to you by Mary Sue Rucci Books, publisher of the critically acclaimed novel, The Storm We Made by Vanessa Chan. It's the official February pick of the Other People Book Club, a sweeping epic about an unlikely spy and a secret love affair. I'm just about to finish this book. I tore through it. I am currently tearing through it. The Storm We Made is a dazzling saga about the horrors of war, the fraught relationships between the colonized and their oppressors, and the ambiguity of right and wrong when survival is at stake. That's The Storm We Made by Vanessa Chan, available from Mary Sue Rucci Books. Okay, so today's flashback once again comes from episode 531, my conversation with Bethany C. Morrow. It first aired on July 4th, 2018. A reminder that the full episode is available if you would like to listen to the entire conversation. All episodes of this show are available. So if you enjoy this flashback and you want to go in for the full hour, just look for episode 531 wherever you get your podcasts. All right? All right. Here we go. Today's flashback. Episode 531. This is me talking with Bethany C. Morrow. That's what he did, by the way, in the seat between me and another person, was literally shove this stuff into his mouth. Every single thing that he purchased. So he unwrapped individually and ate like he had never eaten before. I'm not even... It was so... uh, It was... It was horrifying. I mean, obviously made worse by the fact that in between he would have that whole, like, cough where it sounds like he had laryngitis or something. And what did he eat? He ate a burger? So wait, he had chest congestion. Yeah. You're on a flight from Chicago to LA. Mm -hmm. He's in the middle seat. Right. And what does he eat? Can we itemize this? So first, I'm sorry, I want to set the stage for this a little bit. He had decided as soon as we got on the plane that he was going to order something. And I know this because he took his credit card out and put it on the tray table. Now, it's going to take a while before they're even able to serve food, right? Because you, yeah, we have to be like... You're on the ground. We're on the ground. We're going to be ascending. And then once the seatbelt sign turns off, they still don't immediately do the food thing. Except so they, unless in first class, you get like the chocolate chip cookie. We weren't in first class, boo. So I know, I know, I, I know. No I, I'm not either, but I'm always like, oh, you get a fucking cookie. <laughs> No, so so he has this thing out, and I was like, oh, or did you need some help with the... Because I thought he was trying to order uh, direct TV or something. And he was like, no, do you know when they're going to bring the food around? And I was like, oh, God. Because I already know that means you're you're about to nosh right next to me. So she comes, and he's like, I want such and such. And he order, he rattles off like three things. And she was like, I don't have this. I'm like, oh, great. So this can take a little bit longer. So she gives him some options. He decides to get the hamburger with no condiments on it. And the only thing better, I think, than him eating the hamburger is knowing that he's going to be eating this dry hamburger when he has this congestion. I don't know why that seemed like it was going to make it worse, but I feel like it did. And then he gets the tapas box, which had 
it was what the hell is a tapas? It was box? a Mary Poppins box of snacks. Okay, it kept going. But like, is it like hot food? It's not hot food because he was eating these chips, like pita chips or something. Again, as though he had never encountered food before. Which... What is it? And for people listening, if you've never listened to this show before, I have spoken at least a dozen times over the years on this program of my uh, of how I abhor the eating of of food on flights that are five hours long or less. Yeah. Like if you're on some crazy international flight, right. I get it. Fine. You got to eat. You're a human being. You have to have food. Yeah. But, but even then, like, you know, here's a question. Why are people so panicky if they have to like miss a day? Of eating? Say, yeah. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Calm the fuck down. He was so, this had clearly had been on his mind for a while that he wanted to do this. Oh, just... <laughs> but I feel like when you find out that you're in the middle seat, you should amend your your decisions because we he has he's trying to keep it all contained, all of this accumulating trash from this tapas box, especially. Um, but it's obviously it's like spilling something drops on my foot. I'm not going to say anything. I'm I'm sure you're going to pick that up when you notice that you just dropped trash on my feet. That's fine. But so the woman comes to pick up the trash and he's he warns her, like, I have a lot of stuff. And she's like, OK, like, I still have to get it. <laughs> so he starts handing her stuff. But the process just kept going. I was like, at, at some point, I really thought I was being punked because I'm like, you're still passing trash over my laptop right now. Um, and then eventually he dropped something. And then he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And he goes to reach for it. I'm like, I know you're not. I know you're not going to reach into my lap to pick up this trash. He did it. The woman did. Um, so okay. somebody still reached into my lap to pick up trash. And I and then I did turn him and like, how much did you eat? You said something. Yes. I was like, how much did you eat? And then he laughed and he was like, oh, no, I just got like the tapas box and the burger and one other thing. I can't remember. And I was like, yeah. Was it good? Because here's the thing. He ate it so fast. I don't see how he could have even tasted it. Oh my God. It was like watching a duck eat. It was really, and I wasn't even trying to watch. It was just so distracting. I was literally trying to work, but it was so distracting because especially the chips, like he was, I, I swear he was putting like the tips of his fingers into his mouth. Oh my God. What it a was, monster. He was, he's a horrible person. Oh. I don't know his name. I, I know that he lives somewhere in Los Angeles. You are a monster. <laughs> like, it's like Adolf Hitler. And then this guy. <laughs> I know. I, I took my face from them. It's okay. I know, but it's like, you know, I, I feel like people like to, to pick on me a little bit because I have these issues with the eating and food and, uh, you know, maybe I'm an outlier, but I'm so glad to find somebody no. else who's bothered by this because there is something intrusive about having to sit in such close quarters with somebody who's eating something, particularly if it's like hot, smelly food yeah. or like loud, crunchy food. Even He did both. Loud... He did both. He did My the burger God. and he did the pita chips. I absolutely know that I have sensory issues, particularly around eating. There's a name for it. I know crunching. there is. And now everybody has, and now, you know, now it's like, I guess, sort of fashionably like, oh yeah, I suffer from this too. I'm like, okay, but I was like called difficult all of my childhood because if you're sitting next to me and you're chewing and i can hear you chew, if everybody's chewing for some reason it's fine right. but as soon as like it's just one singular chewer i will throat chop you like stop hey everybody if you are a writer or an aspiring writer or if you just love literature i have a book for you it's called truth is the arrow mercy is the bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career. 
a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Imagine if you and I were on a flight together. <laughs> I'm in the aisle seat. You're, you're in the aisle seat. I'm in the window seat. And this dude's in the middle. No. He wouldn't. Throat be, chops. He would be Throat <laughs> chops. Just back to <laughs> They would be unloading his body. <laughs> I was so upset at him. And every time I said something, he totally took it as like I was being polite or something and like giggled yeah. at me or something. And I was like, dude. I want to physically harm you. Yeah, no, like, I would. I would have like leaned forward and just been like, <laughs> "Look into I, my eyes." You would have just looked at me <laughs> in the eye. We would have Im- immediately known without a word. You will die tonight. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not making it home. Stop eating. God, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. I could talk an entire hour about that. I, you know, it's just it's something that has. Uh, been I'm with really me. glad to talk about it though because I feel like if I had it, it was just going to wreak havoc on my psyche throughout this entire visit. So. Thank you for this very like cathartic. No, I'm glad I'm here for you on this journey. I get it. And I feel like, uh, I feel like there are a lot of us out there and I feel like too, like it's a matter of consideration, being Mm -hmm. considerate to your fellow man, your fellow traveler. Like how might this impact since I'm sharing such a small space? Like, why would you act like this does not have some sort of impact or that everyone's going to be cool with it? Like, it just seems... And if you were dying of hunger, genuinely, because I have some health issues that mean that I I really... But that's why I made sure to eat before I got on the plane, because I have to eat. You hypoglycemic? No, I have like a sickle trait disorder. So I need need some meat protein, particularly when I'm changing altitudes. I need to drink water pretty constantly and all that kind of stuff. And I do always think about like, is this going to bother people? Is this person a vegetarian? Is this going to offend anybody? If you absolutely were dying, could you have eaten one of those things? I feel like that was an option. Yeah. Just eat the burger. Right. Did you need all of the things that he got? Like, when I tell you that he had a mountain of trash on his little... It was completely unnecessary. Well, it's like, yeah, the, eating is an emotional experience for a lot of people. Like, I mean, it's emotional for everybody to a degree. But that strikes me as maybe like excessive. Like, he just needed that food. He just needed it. I think needed he needed soothe. the experience. I don't know if... I don't know. I don't know if it was like a show of status or something like, I'm going to order food as soon as I get on this plane. But you know what it could be too? He could be a nervous flyer. Some people, they get anxious. They're going to be on a plane and they're like, you know what? I'm going to self-soothe with the the plane burger. That's just like opposite of me. I I absolutely hate flying, but my, like it will make me anxious if I think about it too much. So I can't imagine eating to undo that feeling i feel like, like it would can't make me you just nauseous. take a xanax like everybody else just knock yourself out right. get some alcohol because <laughs> on, on, on the flight right before that as soon as the the woman came by uh the chick next to me was like i'll have a bloody mary like i wasn't even about to check the time it was like 12 30 i don't want this is the thing i mean i think i've had a i mean maybe when i was like in my early 20s i got like like after i turned 21 i was like i'm gonna get a, a beer on the plane I don't do that. Never. I don't want an alcohol. I don't want anything on the plane except for the flight to be over Exactly. With. It's not necessary. Just I feel like water. people make it more than it needs to be. Maybe. We're just trying to get from point A to point B. What about, uh, what about raw 
almonds, like a small bag of like raw almonds or the pretzels that come with like, that's acceptable. The, the pretzels are fine because everybody is receiving them. If you choose not to eat them and you have to sit there and listen to everybody else crunch, that's your own fault. Right. You had the option to eat the pretzels. I feel similarly. It does not take a very long time to eat them. They do not give you much. Uh, <laughs> there, yeah, there's like seven pretzels. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Get it in, get it out. You had a little, that was a little distraction. That was nice. Yeah. Um, you wasted about seven minutes. Now do something else. So I'm t- I've been trying to, because like in addition to the volume of, of food, like the quantity, uh, and then the kind of food that one might choose to eat on a plane, but then uh, to kind of like diverge a little bit from plane eating, I've been uh, thinking about uh, mindful eating because mm. I'm like a meditator and sort of mm-hmm. Buddhist. And there's this like school of thought that like you're supposed to really like uh, be aware of every single bite of food and you're supposed to savor every single bite of food. And like you were, like you were talking about the guy eating like a duck. Oh my gosh. Like you would have loved this guy. We purport to, uh, love food and like to, you know, I'm a foodie and I love food and all this stuff. But then we eat like Vikings. We don't even chew it. You know what I'm saying? And so the thing is, I'm not a, I'm absolutely not a foodie and I absolutely do not feel like I have any emotional connection with food. And I literally can forget to eat for full days if somebody doesn't watch me. And that is why I'm so confused by people being so extra about food. Well, what is food? It's energy. It's, it's, it's fuel. I mean, unless I just roast it. Like if I, if I just barbecued, that's the most excited that you will see me about food. And also, okay, I just landed in California. Obviously somebody needs to take me to get some Mexican food. Like that's, I'm excited about because I don't know if you have attempted or would be silly enough to attempt to get Mexican food in the Northeast, don't do it. Um, it's a horrific experience that will bring you to tears, <laughs> which again would be your own fault. This entire episode is just about Bethany's food related traumas. <laughs> Basically. So, um, so that's, I get excited about, I think nostalgic food can be nostalgic for me. Like, um, fruit isn't done right outside of California. California is so, great on fruit. Yeah. Produce, produce, right? I mean, produce that I can, and being able to buy, like in Sacramento, we would just, you know, you don't buy strawberries and cherries at the grocery store. You just go to that place off the side of the road and you just buy them and they're warm and they're wonderful. Um, and after eating so much fruit in the Northeast, that's just old, an abortion in your mouth. Like it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, so upsetting it, and it's you you can't not buy it because you're from california and you know what fruit looks like and that looks like fruit so i'm gonna try it just this time like this is last time it's an abusive relationship right. but I'm doing, <laughs> just this last time i'm gonna try to get these cherries especially because now they're like oh we have california cherries uh-huh. i won't even tell you why that process makes no sense but i'll get them and it's literally like eating a warhead <laughs> like <laughs> So I will get excited and nostalgic about food that will taste the way I feel it's supposed to taste. Right. So when I come back, I do, I probably eat way more in California than I, than I eat back home because it's right. I sometimes wonder if people would be like disturbed by how simple I am as an eater. Like I'll I'm eat, extremely simple. Like, like just steamed kale. A bowl of brown rice. I'm very healthy also. You lost me at kale. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can feel that this is where our paths diverge. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian. Oh, yeah. no. And I'm like, I'm, and I'm very, like, very... I'm actually morally opposed to vegetarians. You are? I am, absolutely. You know, you can't stand us. I cannot. There's I can't a handle line. it. A chill has just fallen over the roof. I have friends who are like, oh my gosh, I, I think I haven't had meat. And they're not vegetarians. So they'll just be like, I, I don't think that I've cooked meat in like the last two weeks. And I will 
just slap them just as hard just as I eat just some as fucking meat. <laughs> as hard as I can. Yeah. What are you thinking? But again, it's it's because um well, A, because it tastes delicious, but B, because I literally, I think when people don't take into account any sort of like medical issues that would be exacerbated by trying not to eat meat. So everybody gets very morally, you know, superior by saying like, oh, I don't eat meat. I'm like, okay, you probably don't have red blood cell destruction. Yeah. And so you probably don't care about something that might help you um, pr- re- produce b- red blood cells at a slightly faster pace. Um, meat protein helps. So I'm like, no, I, I like, I literally do need to to eat um, meat, but I also, it's not a meal. If you serve me food and there's no meat anywhere, I'm like, so I'm going to have to go eat after this? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it. And like, I'm not, my grandfather was a butcher. I come from like, meat eaters, meat makers. What would he think of you now? He's a sh- I'm a disgrace. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but uh, I feel like I don't really need to mix it up food wise. Like mm-hmm. I know what I like. Yeah. I know what's what good. I, and I know what's good for me. Right. Just like you got to eat what makes yeah. you feel good. And if you have a medical need, of course, you know, like honor that. I'm gonna but, eat that meat. Um, but I don't need like elaborate dishes right. and I don't have time. And then the other thing too, is like people who have time mm-hmm. to cook because mm-hmm. cooking is a pain in the ass. Yeah. I know you can get good at it and you can come up with like your five or 10, like go-to recipes. And maybe you do the prep on Sundays. You know, like I've heard all these different theories, but the, the bottom line is that if you have time to cook mm-hmm. elaborate meals on a regular basis, right. like you got a good life. That's a lot of free time. You know what? I feel like nobody has that kind of free time. So I just want to know what you're sacrificing. Right. In order, cause that's a, that's an enjoyment experience also for a lot of people. My sister and I were literally just talking about this. So my sister who lives in Los Angeles, she makes a type of potato salad that for some reason in her memory is like my potato salad. Like she makes it for me. This couldn't be further from the truth. Um, <laughs> potato salad is basically supposed to be a palate cleanser. Okay. To make way for more ribs. So <laughs> she, like I just last week, I mean, I'm, I'm in like, the area that I'm in, in in upstate New York is like as soon as the sun comes out, I'm going to grill because you do not know how long that's going to last. So you got to take advantage. You got to take advantage immediately. So I just grill and I made you know I had my husband make some potato salad and it's just white potatoes, mayonnaise, mustard, eggs, and and celery. That's potato salad. That's potato salad. I feel like I need to underline that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my sister who is a foodie, who is a designer, who is a, you know, she's, she's all of these creative and artistic things. Um, and I'm basically like a peasant compared to her. So she makes this red potato salad with dill and, um, and it's like, it, dill. it's just, Oh, dill. Oh, with dill. <laughs> and I'm like, if you don't get this out of my face. And then I'm like, so, why is some of the skin left on? Oh, just because so it's just like a pop of color. And I'm uh-huh. like, I'm not, I'm not eating that just from a moral position. Right. I'm not eating this. Yeah. Go get me some plain potatoes. <laughs> if it's not fluorescent yellow, I don't want to fucking see it. <laughs> get it out of my face. And it has to mush. Like when you stir it, it has to like, you know, you have to see the texture in, you know, and these are, these red potatoes, they don't mush. They don't. So they're just like cubes of potato with like a little fleck of red skin on them. And then the dill. And, and then, then the, the dill. dill. Yeah. And then like, I can't, that's not potato salad. That's I don't know what that is, but that's not potato salad. That's art is what it is. I'm so, it's, <laughs> it's upsetting. It's absolutely upsetting to me, but that's like, that's her kind of cooking. All right, you guys, there we go. Today's flashback. Episode 531, my conversation with Bethany C. Morrow. Uh, that was a good one. 
I have a lot of fondness for that conversation. It happened, or it first aired, on July 4th, 2018. If you would like to listen to the full conversation, it is available. Episode 531, look for it wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about Bethany C. Morrow, just go to BethanyCMorrow.com. Follow her on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to shows. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Follow this program on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. Join the Other People Patreon community at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Help keep this show going into the future. Subscribe to my weekly email newsletter at bradlisty.substack.com. Join the Other People Book Club at the show's official website, otherppl.com. Get a new book delivered to your door every 30 days. I interview all book club authors on this program, so it makes for a wonderful experience. If you have a couple of minutes and you would be so kind, please give this show a rating and write a little review wherever you listen. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is, rate the show, review the show. It helps the show find new listeners. If you would like to get some other people apparel, a t-shirt or a sweatshirt, you can do that at otherppl.com. And finally, a quick plug for my latest book. It is a novel called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything, available now in trade paperback, ebook, and audiobook editions. I narrate the audiobook so you can listen to it, you can hold it in your hands and read it yourself. It's up to you. I honestly don't care. It's called it's called uh, Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. It's my book. All right, so coming up on Sunday, I will be in conversation with Paul Theroux. He has a new novel out called Burma Sahib. A really fascinating time talking with Paul Theroux. He has lived quite a life and has had quite a career, so you don't want to miss the next episode coming up on Sunday. Stay tuned.